Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the chance now to reflect on our life together as those who wait for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation that we will receive when he appears. So, Lord, help us to be guided by your word and to uh, live it out in our lives as we hear it from you today. Amen. Well, today I want to think about the life together of those who wait, who wait for the Lord to come. During Advent, these weeks before Christmas, we remember that the Christian life is a life of waiting. We wait for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the day of the Lord, when he judges the living and the dead, and light is upheld and darkness is rejected, when holiness shines and evil is destroyed. We wait as those looking forward to life with him at his coming. Uh, just before um, the epistle reading begins, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 9 to 10, uh, Paul has written, For God has destined us, we Christians, we believers, not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that we may live with him. This promise is the foundation upon which we live our lives, upon which we have our relationship with God, upon which we wait for his Son. His destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord, who died for us. Now, uh, <clears throat> the question for today then is, if, if that's who we are, that's the basis upon which we live before God, what is the life together of those who wait together for this in this way? What's that life supposed to be like? Because whenever you have a group of people who live in some kind of community, some kind of togetherness, they, they have an ethos, they develop an ethos, a way of living together, expectations and attitudes. Uh, for example, the ethos of one group might be all about rivalry. You know, it's everyone for themselves here in this place. It's dog eat dog, really. Don't let your guard down because, you know, we're all trying to climb over each other and up the greasy pole. Let the weak go to the bottom. This could be the ethos of a group, a community together. Um, or another one um, that takes pride in strength, for instance. You know, we are a high-performing team. We are winners. And if you're strong enough to run with us, great. But watch out if you're in our way. It's another kind of ethos, not so much rivalry, but pride in our shared strength. Here's quite a different kind of ethos that might uh, occur. We are stuck with one another. A kind of ethos of despair and bitterness. I don't like you, and you don't like me, and we're happy to let one another know this, but we just have to put up with each other because nobody is going anywhere here. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 28, sets out an ethos for the life together of Christians, those who wait for Christ. It's not an ethos of rivalry or of pride in strength or of despair and bitterness. It is an ethos that is of respect, of mutual help, of patience, of thanksgiving and of goodness. And so I wanted to look at that today in four parts. Firstly, uh, Verses 12 and 13 of 1 Thessalonians 5, esteem leaders highly. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, 
who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. So every group or community has leaders, those who take responsibility for the life of the community. And there are certainly sins of leaders, uh, exploitation, uh, oppression, laziness, foolishness, tyranny, all these sins of leaders we might know well. But there are sins of those who are led as well, uh, maybe to despise leaders, to resist their leadership, to regard them more as servants to do what we wish rather than leaders to be followed as those charged to make a disciple of you. We do need leaders. We need leaders to, as it says here, admonish us, to set out the truth of God to us, to call us to respond to this truth consistently, thoroughly, day by day, in each of our circumstances, and to warn and encourage us along the way. And so these leaders that we must have and we must um, respect, esteem them, says Paul, very highly in love because of their work, which is important to all of us. Leaders are not infallible or untouchable. They need testing, as we'll see, and to be admonished too by leaders over them. But respect should be our basic attitude as we live together. Secondly, seek the good of others, verses 14 and 15. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everybody. Did you know that some Christians have issues? Not all Christians are kind of shiny, happy, easy, kind, reliable people. I know this is a shock to you. Some of us might be idle and disruptive. The translation of that word could be, you know, disorderly. Chaotic people who don't like expectations, who are unreliable. What shall we do with them? Shall we punish and exclude them? No. Admonish them, that is, warn them, work with them. Give guidance to them. The disorderly and idlers, these are a challenge for a community, no doubt. And they are a danger to themselves because we all need to learn to live with others. This is important. And that means living with personal disciplines. Being able to take ourselves in hand so that we can live with others. But the Christian community doesn't reject or despise or drive out those who are difficult. Rather, we work patiently for their good. Uh, Some of us, on the other hand, might not be disruptive or chaotic, but might be faint-hearted or weak. And the temptation can be to despise such people. I don't have time to carry them. They can't get it together. Let them sort themselves out, we might think, impatiently. Now, it is the glory of the strong in the Bible's view that they help the weak. Not that they lorded over the weak, but that they help the weak. The Almighty God came to us in our weakness to make us strong through Christ. And as he is merciful and patient to us in our weakness, so we should be merciful and patient to others in their weakness. Now, there is a a trap. Some people do use weakness to manipulate others, to help them and to carry them. And we would do well to be wise to the subtleties, the nuances of this, without, however, losing that basic attitude of patient mercy 
towards the faint of heart, towards the weak. Seek the good of others, not just the idlers and the faint-hearted, but even those who do you wrong. Verse 15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. When someone does you wrong, boy, it is hard to think a good thought of that person. Boy, it's easy to imagine getting our revenge on them. Tit for tat, it seems so logical. If they don't suffer for doing that, they'll never change. If I don't stand up for myself, everyone will walk over me. So I should repay bad for bad. It seems logical. But Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And what is the reason? That you may be children of your Father in heaven. For God does not operate according to tit for tat. He does not do good only to those who love him. We seek the good of others, even those who do us wrong, because to be the children of our Heavenly Father, that is actually the best thing we can be. Seeking God does not mean, however, being a doormat. There is such a thing as tough love, but we love even those who do not love us. Thirdly, we've had so far, respect or esteem leaders highly, seek the good of others. Thirdly, live inwardly towards God. We, this is who we should be as a community, as a people, those who live inwardly towards God. Verses 16 to 18, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, in Christ Jesus. Rejoicing, prayer and thanksgiving, these are inner motions of the heart. The person who is truly full of rejoicing and prayer and thanksgiving is generally an attractive person, someone you'd like to be more like. The discipline to learn is to turn your attention for the reasons you have to rejoice before God and not complain, to pray to God and not refuse to do so or forget to do so or decide not to do so. To turn your attention to the reasons you have to give thanks to God. It's the spiritual discipline expressed in the words of the communion service, lift up your hearts, we lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God It is right to give him thanks and praise. This is not a denial of things that make joy and prayer and thanksgiving hard. There are such things in our lives. But it is to remember that we want to be people whose ethos is to rejoice always, to pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. The hard and the sad things are not the only things. God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is something to rejoice over, something to pray for and something to be thankful for. That's the way we live inwardly towards God. Fourthly and lastly, we should receive the Spirit's work. Verses 19 to 22, do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. 
hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. So we are to receive the Holy Spirit's work amongst us with openness and discrimination. The Holy Spirit is like, if you like, a fire, alive and strong and awesome in his, his powerful work. The Holy Spirit empowers believers to build one another up. The words of the prophets in the New Testament are one way that the Spirit does that. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, those who prophesy speak to other people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. And so to quench that activity of the Spirit, which manifests itself in the prophecy, these words of encouragement and upbuilding and consolation, to quench that is to resist and oppose the life and work of the Holy Spirit in God's church. We should not despise those who speak with spirit-taught words to build faith and maturity. We should be open to this work, wanting it, to foster it. The Spirit will bring God's word alive to our hearts and minds. We should be open to this. We should desire it. We should not, however, be credulous. We should test whatever words are said and taught, whatever things are claimed, Because the Spirit brings God's word, brings it alive to us, but he does not bring a different word to the word about Jesus that the apostles knew and taught. It's the same word that the Spirit will always bring. The word that Jesus brought, the word that he taught to his apostles, the word that the Spirit inspired them to write, the word that has always guided the church. Do not despise the words of prophets. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So as you hear Christian teaching, be a discriminating hearer of sermons, reader of Christian books, listener to Christian podcasts, consumer of Christian social media, wherever you find those who would speak as Christians and seek to convey a Christian word, sift the good, that is the the Uh, apostolic and scriptural word from the bad, that which is inconsistent with the gospel. That's a job to do. So here is something of the life of those who wait, who wait together for Christ. Esteem for leaders, seeking the good of all, even the difficult ones, an inward life to God of rejoicing, and prayer and thanksgiving and an open and discriminating reception of God's spirit and his word and work. These exhortations, these are not meant to be a a, a law that condemns us. Just think, oh, there's more to fail at. (laughs) Rather, these are a summons to keep attending to in hope. And so Paul gives this Final blessing to his readers. May the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. There's a promise to hang on to. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, as we attend to all these exhortations that are given to us by the Apostle through your Spirit's inspiration, we do pray that the, the ethos of life that they represent, that they present to us, we would find real amongst us here. That we would be those who esteem leaders, who seek the good of others, who live inwardly towards you in a way that's full of joy and thanksgiving, who receive the Spirit's work with openness and discrimination. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.